Hey, my name's Matt, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm glad to be with you. Um, some of you may know this, but uh, I was in Africa with my family for the last two weeks, uh, thanks to the very great generosity of my mom and dad. And uh, we were doing some ministry stuff there, some church stuff, uh, some being together as a family type of stuff. And, um, you know, it's interesting, the different challenges that happen here versus there. And so there are times, not often, but there are times when there is a child crying in the auditorium here and the mother tries to get the kid quiet and then ushers the child out eventually, right? So that's sort of a distraction speaking. Well, I was giving a talk um, at, uh, in Kenya, uh, kind of a, a sermon type of deal, a communion for a bunch of folks. And it was a first of distraction for me, is outside there were two dogs fighting like 10 feet away from me, and I had to pause until somebody broke up the dog fight, and then I continued. So, um, But we got to do some neat stuff that had a lot of overlap with uh, River Ridge Church, and uh, one of the things that we did is uh, our River Camp kids, which is our um, elementary age uh, ministry here, they give money each week uh, to a compassion child in Kenya named John. And so here's a picture of our family with John, uh, at least our kids with John. So he's got his big kick shirt on there, huh? Pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, and that, you can kind of see, that, that it is his house in the background. It is a mud and stick house with a little tin roof on top of it. Um, so that was kind of a neat thing. And then a few minutes ago, Steve showed you a picture uh, from the Kilgoris Project where we ate cheaply in order to give generously, and we provided food and education to kids in rural Kenya. And uh, here is a picture of that. Uh, so that's Stacy with a couple of those kids. Just a beautiful landscape in the background. As you can tell, they're big uh, Michael Jordan fans from the, the kid in the middle there, the little girl in the middle. Huge, huge uh, Bulls fans there. And, uh, and then uh, here's another picture of Ben. Uh, he's the white one in the middle, in case you're wondering which one my son was. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was awesome. He was like the Pied Piper. They loved him more than they loved all the rest of us combined. He was just a ton, a ton of fun. So anyway, over the neck, I took videos and pictures, and we'll be putting together a little bit more kind of thorough presentation and um, encouragement to you all as far as what we did uh, over there with uh, some of this stuff. But I just want to show you those quick pictures. Uh, and by the way, I'm a bit jet-lagged, so... Um, we'll make a deal. If the person next to you falls asleep during the sermon, you nudge them. If I fall asleep during the sermon, somebody come and nudge me. So I got back yesterday on a long flight. Um, so in a second, I'm going to ask you to do something that is a little bit hard, a little bit difficult. Um, I know that most of you, when you come to church, you come to church because you want to be inspired, you want to be encouraged, you want to kind of get a, a, a sort of a, a boost of encouragement to go on and live the rest of the week out. And, and you want to, you kind of come to be refreshed and, and things like that and to, and to sort of leave the troubles and the difficulties of the world out here and just be in God's presence. Um, but in, in a few minutes, I'm going to have us do something that is very different from that. I'm going to ask us to kind of go back and to think about some difficult things from our lives. And I, and I really hope that everybody will participate in this sort of mental exercise, whether you have been around River's Church for years and years and years, or maybe this is just your first time ever at River Ridge. You know, maybe you're a super strong Christian, or maybe you're just investigating Christianity, investigating what does it mean to be a Christian. My hope is that you will participate in this exercise of looking at some of the pains of our past, 
because as we do that, it's going to help us as we move forward, especially as we look at this passage this morning, what this says about how we go forward in life based on or in light of the pains and difficulties of our past. So let me pray, and then I'll kind of walk us through some thinking. Heavenly Father, thank you so much um, for the opportunity to be here, to share your word, to look into your word. And uh, Lord, we all come to church for different reasons, um, but this morning, Lord, I pray that you would help, uh, help us to take a look at our past, uh, help us to take an honest look at our past and what happened and why we got there and who was involved and all those sort of things, Lord. Um, just give us uh, integrity of heart as we look at our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think back uh, over your life, and I want you to think about what have been some of the most difficult times that you have been through. And and you may look back, and it may be a period of time of of a couple of weeks or a couple of months, maybe even a, a few years Or it may be that you look back and there was a particular event that happened at a particular time and that causes you a great amount of of pain and disappointment in life. And I want you to kind of think about that in terms of what are some of those things. You know, know, maybe for you that you went through a divorce recently or, or years ago and it was just incredibly painful divorce. Or perhaps it's the loss of someone that you loved. Maybe a friend passed away. Maybe a parent passed away or, or, or one of your own children or a very close family member. You know, maybe that's the pain from your past. Perhaps that you were the victim of abuse. Maybe it was physical abuse. Maybe it was sexual abuse. Maybe it was emotional abuse. But there's pain from your past because of that. Maybe when you were a child or maybe it happened when you were an adult. Perhaps there was a time in your life that's painful because you hit rock bottom because of drug use, because of alcohol abuse, because of hitting rock bottom with pornography or an eating disorder, and you look at that time of pain in your life. Or maybe the struggle for you, the pain in your life, is a result of infertility. You want to have children but you've been unable to have children. Perhaps there's a miscarriage that happened sometime in your past and you still have the pain of that that is part of your life now. Maybe there's something that happened when you were in the military. You saw something that you didn't want to see that you can't unsee. And maybe for you it's a battle with cancer. Or maybe somebody very close to you battled cancer and that just causes pain and frustration in your life. And yes, a lot of those difficult why questions. And maybe in your past you had an abortion or your girlfriend had an abortion and you live with the pain of that and, the, and just the questions surrounding that. Perhaps there was a time in your life where you were running from God, you were running hard from God and you were in a very different place then than you are now. And I want you to think about and kind of bring one or two things from your past into your mind now. And now I want you to ask a question about that memory, about that event, about that difficult time in your past. And the question is this. Who's responsible for the pain that was caused in your life? 
as you think about that, who was responsible or what was responsible? Maybe as you think about that, it was a person that was responsible. Maybe it was a spouse that was causing the pain. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a trusted friend. Maybe it was a total stranger that caused the pain that you experienced in your life or the disappointment that you've experienced in your life. It's also possible that who's responsible for the pain in your life is you. That it was your poor decisions, it was your series of bad decisions that caused you to get to the place where you were, that you experienced the pain that you went through. It's also possible that as you look at the pain in your life, if you look back at the difficulty of your life, that you say, you know, God was the source of that. That God let it happen. Or God didn't stop somebody from letting it happen or, or whatever, but you look and you say, God was the cause of that pain in my life. And again, I realize that you don't come to church to necessarily delve into that, but I want you to think through these things because we're going to look at this passage in the book of Genesis today, and I want you to have those two things in mind as we look at this passage of what was the pain and then in your mind, what was the source? What was the, what was the reason? Who was responsible for that? You know, we're six out of seven weeks into this series on the life of Joseph. And Joseph has experienced a lot of ups and downs in his life, a lot of pain, but also some good times as well. You know, we, we talked about how he was the favored son of, Jake, of Jacob, who was then called Israel. And he received this coat of many colors, this blessing that his father wanted to give him, but it made his brothers jealous. So they threw him in a pit, and then he was slow, sold into slavery. And he ended up in Egypt as a slave in Potiphar's house. And he was doing okay there, but then he was falsely accused of sexual assault. And so he was thrown in prison. And he was doing okay there. Then he had some hope of getting out. He interpreted some dreams correctly. But then they forgot about him, and he was stuck in prison. And then another opportunity came, and he, he interpreted the dream of Pharaoh. And he became second in command over all of Egypt. Then his brothers came down, and he gave food to them. They didn't know who he was, but they came down, and he basically rescued his family from starvation. And so that's where we pick up today in chapter 45. If you want to turn there in your Bible, or it'll be on the screen behind me, or if you want to download the app, if you have the app, the Riverage app, you'll find it there. We start in chapter 45. And the scene is that Joseph has rescued his brothers from famine, but they don't know who he is. So in verse, chapter 45, verse 1, it says, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Now, I want you to try and imagine this scene. Imagine that you are one of the brothers, and that you've come, and you're in front of Joseph. You don't know that he's your brother at this point, and you're there, and there's some Egyptians there, and, and he's a bigwig, 
right? This is, you know, he's the second in command in, in Egypt. It'd be like, you know, meet, going to the White House and you're meeting with the, the vice president. You're meeting with the chief of staff, right? And so he says, I want everybody to get out. And then it says, he wept so loud that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. I mean, imagine that you're at that point and this man in front of you is just weeping uncontrollably. What do you do? Right? Do you go over and kind of rub his back and say, there, there, it'll be okay? You know, do you, I, I think the brothers probably looked around at each other and go, what is going on here? Because this is a weird, freaky situation. This is, you know, the second in command, the CEO, the COO of Egypt, and he is wailing uncontrollably. And then eventually he gets out, he blurts out why it is that he's crying. Verse 3, and Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? Now, at this point, again, try and put yourself in the story. What is your reaction to that? Right? So there's this man. You didn't know who he was. And then he's crying uncontrollably. And then he says, I'm your brother Joseph. Right? Now, time has gone by. 20 years have gone by, and you are part of selling this guy, your 17-year-old brother, into slavery, and you meet him face-to-face 20 years later. I mean, the things that are going through your mind have got to be crazy. Like, is that really him? Is he going to kill us? He is going to be so mad. Why is he crying? I mean, all of these thoughts go through your mind, and he asks this question. He says, he says I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? Well, here's their reaction. But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So that they were so awed, they were so taken aback that they were in this sort of stunned, terrified silence. The word in Hebrew that they use for this word, uh, which is translated as they were uh, dismayed, is Bahal. It means to be terrified and speechless. I'll give you kind of a modern-day example of this. Uh, a friend of mine was, uh, grew up in Charleston when regatta was huge. And if you're not from Charleston, regatta was this thing uh, over Labor Day weekend, and hundreds, you know, 200,000 people would descend on Charleston, and there were these bands and all this kind of stuff. And so my buddy really wanted to stay for regatta, but his dad said, no, you've got to go back to school. He goes, Dad, let me be a couple days late for school. It's fine. His dad said, no, you have to go back to school. So his dad drove him, so his his dad drives my friend back all the way to Philadelphia to school, right? Dad gets in the car to drive back to Charleston. Son, my friend, gets on a train and takes a train back to Charleston, right? He wants to be here for regatta. He won't miss it for the world, right? So um, as people do at Regatta, they you know, drink a lot of beverages of different natures and so forth. And so uh, my friend has to go to the bathroom, so he goes into an um, uh, office building complex downtown. He's coming down the elevator, right, from the fifth floor. He's on like the third floor. The doors of the elevator open, and he is staring face-to-face with his dad. <laughs> that is Bahal. That is dismayed and terrified. His dad says, I'll wait for the next one. (laughs) The doors close and 
I'm not sure how the ensuing conversation went after that. But you can imagine the look on my friend's face and on his father's face when they saw each other. That's the type of deal that's going on between Joseph's brothers as they look and they're like, oh my goodness, 20 years later, this boy that we sold into slavery is now in front of us and he's in charge. So then Joseph recognizes their fear, their terror, and he gives what I think may be one of the best talks but least known talks in the Bible. And I want to read this to you. And as I do, I want you to remember back to where we started about what is the pain from your past and who is responsible for it. Beginning in verse 4, it says, So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And by the way, it says come near. It's a double meaning. It's come near to me physically, but I want you to come near to me emotionally and relationally as well. It says, come near to me. And they came near. And he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are, five, there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. You see, Joseph says to his brothers, he couldn't make it any clearer. He said, what you did was wrong. What you did was evil. But God took it and God used it. And throughout this whole, like this little speech here, and really throughout all of Joseph's life, he sees and understands who God is and God's sovereignty. Three times in just these few verses, he points to God. Verse 5, he says, you, uh, you sold me, but that was God sending me to Egypt. Verse 7, God sent me ahead of you to save our family line. Because if he hadn't been in that position of power, his family would have died of starvation because of the famine that was happening all throughout Egypt and Israel. Verse 8, it was not you who sent me, but God. Did Joseph's brothers wrong Joseph? Absolutely. But he absolutely forgave them. You see, what Joseph did, what Joseph understood is he understood a God perspective to life. Then instead of just looking at what they had done and said, evil, 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 bad, 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 how could you, how could you, how could you? He looks and he has God's perspective on life and sees that God is working through this whole terrible circumstance that it was his life the last 20 years. In the next couple of verses, Joseph gives them instructions. He says, I want you to go back to Canaan, tell my father that I'm alive, bring him here to Egypt, because the famine is going to last another five years. It's only two years into this seven-year famine that God gave uh, Joseph a dream about or a revelation about through Pharaoh's dream. So then it says this, picking up in verse 13 about the forgiveness. 
You must tell me, excuse me, you must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then, and listen to what he does. It says, then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. This is such a huge, a great picture of forgiveness. You know, we know, and I, and I hope you know this, we know that we are supposed to forgive other people. I mean, I've been around church enough to know that God says to forgive other people. I've read the Bible enough, Old and New Testament, to know that we are for, to forgive other people. I've seen other people not forgive and live with the pain that comes from not forgiving somebody else. And so I know in my head that I'm to forgive other people. But what I love about this is that for Joseph, this is not just an act of the will. This is not just, I will forgive people. I will forgive my brothers. What we see here is this is a forgiveness of the heart. This is a forgiveness that goes incredibly deep, so much that he is weeping and hugging his brothers in this act of forgiving them. Goes on, and uh, he kind of, at this point, with uh, sort of the full support of Joseph, of Pharaoh, Joseph gives his brothers the provisions they need to go back. But he adds one sort of additional word to them, or sort of a test. Listen to this. This is verse 22. Uh, to each and all of them he gave a change of clothes, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. Why do you think he did that? Why would Joseph have given Benjamin a little bit extra? It could be that he was playing favorites like his father did, but I don't think that's the case because listen to this warning that he gives to them. Verse 24, then he sent his brothers away and as they departed, he said to them, do not quarrel on the way. You see, he knew that his brothers had repented. Keith talked about that last week with Judah. He knew that they'd repent. And so there's this little test of, I'm giving Benjamin more. Let's see if you have learned your lesson. Don't quarrel on the way home. You are being provided for. Are you going to quarrel? We fast forward to the end of Genesis, and we're going to come back and pick up a little bit in between next week, but this really goes along with it. This is Genesis chapter 50, the conclusion of really the whole book of Genesis, the conclusion of the story of Joseph. Verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that, uh, that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did him. So this is quite a few later, years later. His, brother has come, I'm assuming his father has come to Egypt, rescued the family, dies of natural causes, um, but now his brothers are concerned, well, dad is dead, now is Joseph going to turn on us? So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of God of your, excuse me, the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when he spoke to them. 
His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. And by the way, that's significant. If you remember all the way back to the very beginning of the sermon series, that Joseph had a dream, right? And the dream was that his 11 brothers would bow down before him. And this is the dream coming true. It says that they came and fell before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for I, uh, uh, for I am in the place of God. It says, I am able to control your future because of the position that God has put me in. And then here's the main verse. And if you have a paper Bible, underline this. If you have a phone Bible, highlight this. You'll want to find this in the future. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. It says, what you meant for evil, you threw me in a pit, you sold me to slavery, you meant it for evil, but God took that tragedy, God took that horrible, painful thing in my life, and he turned it around, and he turned it into something good. And he wants his brothers to know that. And God wants us to know that as well. That the pain in our lives, the disappointments, the hurts from our past, that God can turn that, what was meant for evil, what was difficult, and use it for good. Much of this series we've been looking at how do we deal with the difficulties and pain in our lives as we're going through them right now. But I want to take a few minutes and answer this question of how do we deal with pain from the past? What do we learn from the life of Joseph and kind of the thinking and heart and faith of Joseph so that we can look back on pain in our lives and make sense of it? So that we can live our lives not having bitterness from hurts from the past, to not let those things affect our present and our future in a negative way. Here's the first action that we look at with Joseph, is believe in the sovereignty of God. Believe in the sovereignty of God. This is the story of Joseph from beginning to end. He believed and understood that God was in control of all things. God never looked down and said, wow, didn't see that coming. God knew God has this sovereign control, and that's the viewpoint that Joseph operates from. And if we can operate from that as well, it's a great place to understand the sovereignty of God. As you think about the pain in your life, whatever came to mind as we were going through that exercise, the beginning of the message this morning, whatever was going through your mind, it really, it boils down to, it's probably in one of two categories. The first category is this, the I get it category, right? I get why that happened. I look at the pain in my life and I get why that happened because I can see how that connected and what the good was that came from that. That's Joseph, right? He's at that point where he looks back at the evil. His brothers are here. He's rescued his family. He goes, I get it. I understand why that happened. That may be you. You may be in the I get it sort of category. And typically, the more years that pass, the more time that passes from the pain to the, wherever we're at in life, the more we get it as we look back in hindsight. The second category that painful events or times in our lives fall into 
would be this. It's, it's basically the opposite. It's very simple. It's I don't get it. It's the I don't get it category. We look back, and maybe that's you this morning. You're looking back at something that difficult to happen in your life, and you go, I don't get it. I don't see why that happened. And it's frustrating for us. And I want to give you just a couple of tools to help you maybe get closer to getting it or living in the sovereignty of God. The first is this, is be active in looking for how God used it. You know, instead of being bitter and blaming and all that, look and and say, what was some of the good that came out of it? Yes, it was painful, but here's some of the good things that came out of the difficulties of life. The second is this is give it time. Again, the farther we get away from the painful experiences in our lives, the more that we're able to see how God works and how God uses something difficult in our lives today. So give it time. And then the third is this. It's just a a truth. Is this side of eternity, we may not know. You look at that pain from your past, you go, I don't get it. I don't understand why. And part of life is that you may not ever understand this side of eternity. There's a great verse that says, now we see dimly, but in the future we will see clearly and understand why things happen the way that they did. Here's the second action to take, is extend forgiveness. You know, when I asked you about the pain in your life, I said, I asked you to bring to mind who caused that, what was the source of it? There's probably three possible sources of pain. One is somebody else. If somebody else has caused you pain in your life, disappointment in your life, then the action is to forgive them. And that may be hard, and and we've given sermons, spent the whole time on forgiveness, so I don't want to dwell on it a whole lot here. But the principle that God's word comes back to every time is we forgive others because God has forgiven us. If God has forgiven me so much, I must forgive somebody else. I'm obliged to forgive somebody else. It's also possible as you look at your past that the source of the pain was you, that you made decisions and you caused the pain in your life. And, you know, sometimes I hear people say this phrase. They'll say, I can't forgive myself. I can't forgive myself for what I did because it caused me pain, but it also caused a ripple effect of pain in other people's lives. I can't forgive myself. And the principle here is the same. We forgive ourselves because God forgave us. But if you're struggling with forgiving yourself from the past, I would encourage you to take a very concrete step today, is to write yourself a letter. Write yourself a letter that says, Dear 16-year-old Matt, Dear 24-year-old Matt, use your own name, not my name, but you know, dear whatever is, and write a letter to yourself and forgive the old you from where you are today in 2017. The final category of the source of our pain sometimes is we blame God. We think in our heads, God caused it. God allowed it. God should have stopped it, but he didn't. God, why did this happen? And so we need to deal with God on that. But it's different than how we deal with ourselves and how we deal with other people. Because we forgive ourselves, we forgive other people, but we don't forgive God. Because God doesn't need forgiving. 
God is perfect. God did not wrong us. Even though we may hold him accountable or hold him responsible, God is not the cause in a sinful way of the pain in our lives. See, it goes back as we look at God, as we deal with God on things in our past, we say, God, why did you? Why, why, why? It comes back to the sovereignty of God. Do we have a trust in God? Do we have a faith in God that God is in control and that God loves me and that God sees all things and he's sovereign? And I might not get it, but God understands what he's doing. There's a great passage in the book of Job where Job begins to blame God for what happened to him and all the things that go wrong in his life, right? The same way that sometimes we do that. And God says to Job, Job, were you there at the foundation of the earth? Were you there when I laid the foundation? My ways are so much higher than your ways. You don't know what you're talking about. And the same is true for us, that God knows so much more than we do. And we don't always see it this side of eternity, but God has a plan. And what we see is difficult and painful from our past. God works it for our good because he has a plan in place. We're going to finish uh, the service this morning a little bit differently. Um, I've asked Monty to play a song. Uh, just, I think he's going to just play it acoustically. And I want to give you a bit of a time to reflect on your life, on the pain and, and the source of that. Um, and then after he plays a verse and a chorus or so, um, if you want to come forward and pray with somebody, there'll be myself and three other folks sitting on the front row in these front two sections um, and if you want to just pray with somebody about some of the stuff that's going on in your life, the pain that's going on in your life, we would love to be there and just to, to pray with you, to give you a hug, to give you what you need. Um, because our past can haunt us until we deal with it, until we come before God in His sovereignty. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, this is difficult stuff to hear and to talk about, but God, you are a God of healing. And you want to heal us from our past so that our future with you will be beautiful and blessed, Lord. God, I pray that in this time of song, in this time of reflection, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would help us to understand your sovereignty and see you at work when we don't see you. In Jesus' name, amen.